invite you to turn in your Bibles at this time to Ephesians chapter 6. Begin reading at verse 10 to verse 20. If you're using a pew Bible, that can be found on page 1163. Page 1163 in the pew Bible. The letter to the church in Ephesus was written by Paul the Apostle. And after giving the church uh, a theology of grace, God's grace through faith in Jesus, that we have been justified by grace through faith in Jesus, uh, he spends the last few chapters exhorting us to live in light of the fact that we are Christians, that we belong to Jesus, we are free in Christ. In light of those things, in light of those truths, this is how you shall now live and he concludes uh, Ephesians with the armor of God and some final greetings. We're going to begin reading Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Thus far, the reading of God's word made his blessing upon the preaching and teaching of it. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come to the conclusion of the sermon series entitled Christian Warfare and the Battle Gear Necessary to Fight. And one of the recurring themes throughout the course of the series has been that we fight from victory and not for victory. That is, we fight from the, the standpoint of already having won the victory because Jesus is victorious. Because of his death, resurrection, ascension to the right hand of the Father where he intercedes for his people, we fight from the standpoint from victory. We don't fight for victory. Yet in this present evil age, which is what the Bible calls this age in which we live, this present evil age, the devil relentlessly rages war against the people of God, against Christians. And Paul exhorts us to withstand, to stand firm against the evil schemes of the devil and his cohorts, the spiritual forces of evil. And these cohorts bombard the Christian with lies and deceits, temptations to sin and rebel against God and to hate God. And he uses secondary means, sons of disobedience, as we hear in Ephesians chapter 2, 
these sons of disobedience, unbelievers seeking to destroy the faith. And we see this prevalent in society and culture. The devil is at work and he's raging a war. Paul exhorts us to stand firm. And we have looked at the armor of God. The armor of God that protects the believer in Jesus. Protects the believer from the fiery darts of the devil and the evil schemes of the spiritual forces of evil. And now Paul makes the connection between the armor of God that we are to actively take up and put on. That's what Paul says, take up, put on the armor of God. Put on that protection as you live out your daily Christian life. When you get up in the morning, you put it on, you take it up. Now it's already intrinsically true of us. It is already true of these things that are talked about in the armor of God, and I spoke of that early on in the sermon series, but we are still to take it up daily. But Paul makes a connection between taking up the armor of God, that is God's protection, and prayer. The prayer which the power of God comes. Take up the armor of God and pray. They are not two exclusive things in the Christian faith. They are two sides of the same coin. Take up the armor of God and pray lest you be found powerless and ineffective. Because when we don't take up prayer, we ultimately are relying upon self to tie up our bootstraps and go through the Christian spiritual battle by ourselves. And oh, will we fail. That's why I talked about last week that we don't take a butter knife to a spiritual battle, a sword fight against Satan. The butter knife is man's intellect, man's knowledge, man's wisdom, man's strength. That's the butter knife against such a powerful force like Satan. No, we take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Spirit-inspired Word of God that is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. We take up the Word of God, we take up the armor of God, and we pray. We pray. Paul says, look with me in your Bible. Look with me in your Bible, verse 17. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Verse 18 Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in change, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Praying at all times, with all perseverance, for all the saints, all prayer and supplication. The four alls. You have the four alls here. Not sometimes, not when you feel like it, even when you don't feel like it. Pray. So first, we pray constantly. We pray constantly, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. All times, or literally, in all seasons. 
from the Greek original text, all times, all seasons. That is, in whatever season of life you are in, pray. Pray. Offer prayers, petitions, and supplications. These three words are still used for one meaning, prayer. There's a little nuance between each word. Prayer is used generally for prayer. Supplication and petitions refer to pressing needs, immediate needs. There's a lack in want or in need, and you need to petition the Lord immediately. That's a petition or a supplication. It's an immediate need, a pressing need. And it's calling upon God for help and mercy in times of distress and immediate need. But not only in times of distress and immediate need, but in all times, even in peace. In every season of life, pray because the battle will not cease until the consummation of all things when Jesus comes again. Do not be caught off guard, in other words. When there is peace and safety, there is a calm. There is a sense, there's no sense of urgency. You kind of relax, you unwind, you kick your feet up, and you become what? Lazy. I know I do. Oh man, am I lazy in prayer. And I'm your pastor. Yes, pastors can even be lazy in prayer. Paul says in every season of life, pray because the battle will not cease. In good times of life, it's easy to neglect the prayer life because there's no pressing need to bring before God. Everything's easy, breezy, I don't have to worry about it. It's only the pressing needs I need to bring before God because I don't want to bother him with anything else. I don't want to bother him with my thanksgiving and my praise. He doesn't need to hear that. He already knows it. Friends, this is a tragic mistake. We treat God like a genie. Rub my little genie a rabbit's foot and hope for the best. Make a mockery of God, essentially. Paul says pray constantly because the devil is deceptive and uses the seemingly peaceful times to catch us off guard and to deploy his cohorts. There's an old southern gospel hymn that goes like this. It's, it's entitled, We Call on Him. We Call on Him. And the song goes like this. We call on Him whenever storm clouds gather. We call on Him to light our darkest day. Why must it be that only when we're lonely and hopes are dim, we call on Him? Why don't we call on him before we lose our way to count our blessings and thank him while we may? We call on him when no one else will answer. We ask of him a reason to go on. When our cup of joy becomes a cup of sorrow, filled to the brim, we call on him. Why don't we call on him before we lose our way to count our blessings and thank him while we may? Can you sympathize with this songwriter? Isn't that true of us? Why don't we call on him before we lose our way? You know the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus? What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what a peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything 
to God in prayer. Pray constantly in every season of life. Give thanks to God and call upon His name. Acknowledging your need of forgiveness and mercy and healing. Acknowledging that you need wisdom and understanding from above. Not man's wisdom. Not man's finite wisdom and understanding. But God's wisdom from His word. That will help you to stand guard against the evil one and to stand firm. Don't wait till you're in the middle of a crisis, in other words, to pray. Now, of course, we do that when we're in crisis. We pray because we have a mediator, Jesus Christ, who ascended into the heavenly places and who sympathizes with our weakness and intercedes for us when we pray. And he helps us in time of need. But prayer must be constant. And it's not always a posture of folding your hands in the privacy of your own home. You can pray while you're driving, while you're at work, wherever, whenever. Thinking thoughts of God and His Word and allowing His Word to, to reflect in your prayers. Praying God's Word back to Him in any and, any, in any and every circumstance. Let us draw then near to God with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need, especially against the spiritual forces of evil. Pray, praying at all times in the Spirit. In the Spirit. Secondly, pray in the Spirit. This answers the question, how do we pray in a way that is pleasing to God and heard by God? Nearly everybody prays. When people are in crisis, they pray. They offer a prayer to some being, some supreme being, some ultimate reality. In a time of crisis, people have a metaphysical crisis, a spiritual crisis, and they offer a prayer to someone or something. Paul says praying at all times or praying in every season in the Spirit. That is, in the condition of grace, in the sphere of grace and the mercy of God. We pray in the position of grace because we have fellowship with the Father through the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So then to pray in the Spirit is to be in a favorable position before God. And we are in a favorable position before God when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because to be in the Spirit is to know freedom. To be in the Spirit is to know truth. To be in the Spirit is to be free from the law of sin and death. To be in the Spirit is to know freedom from the tyranny of the devil. And through Jesus Christ, indeed, we have been set free from our sins and the tyranny of the devil as we confess in Lord's Day 1. By His grace, we receive the promised Spirit who testifies with our spirits that we are children of God, sons and daughters of the Most High. And so praying at all times in the Spirit is to pray in the condition, in the position of royalty. That we belong to Jesus and he hears us for the sake. God hears us for the sake of his son. And we pray in the spirit. 
the spirit that enables us to cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. Your Father in heaven who loves you with an ineffable love, a, a supreme love, an incomprehensible love, a deep love that no father on earth can ever love a child. That's how much your Father in heaven loves you. And he loves you as much as he loves his own son. Try to reflect upon that for a moment. You see, the gospel is simple, but not simplistic. It is profound and deep and wide. And so we pray at all times in the Spirit. And a point of application is needed here. Congregation, how often do you find yourself not wanting to pray? How often do you find yourself so weak you can't pray? How often do you find yourself in crisis, perhaps depressed? How, how often do you find yourself in a position where it's unbearable and terribly hard to even lift up your eyes to the Lord in faith? How often do you find yourselves in a time of anxieties and certainties in the valleys of life that overwhelm you that you just can't pray. What do you do then? What do you do then? There's great comfort here. Because when the battle is so fierce, we pray in the spirits, knowing that our feeble attempts, our murmurings before God, our prayers are like baby talk to God. Gaga, goo, goo. He hears us. Why? Because when you pray at all times in the Spirit, listen to what Paul says. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. When we pray at all times in the Spirit, we pray in a position of grace. And we are in a position of still having weakness in this physical body. And yet the Spirit takes our groanings, takes our weakness, and brings it before God. Brings it before the Son, and the Son intercedes for us. So the Spirit intercedes for us, the Son intercedes for us before the Father in heaven. You have the triune God at work in the prayers of his people. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Pray constantly, pray in the Spirit. Thirdly, pray with alertness, with all perseverance. Pray with alertness, with all perseverance. That is, be watchful. Similarly, Paul exhorts the Colossians, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Watchful prayer, trust in the Lord while looking out at the temptations that come our way. One eye on the temptation, knowing that it's going to come but always looking up to the Lord in prayer to battle that temptation and attacks against the evil one. 
An important biblical example is the life and suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. You remember at the Garden of Gethsemane when he brought a couple of his disciples with him. He told them to wait. To wait and pray. To be watchful. To be alert. Jesus goes up and pours out his soul. His soul unto anguish and pain. He prays to the Lord in the Spirit. However, the disciples could not keep awake and pray. They fell asleep while the Son of Man, the Son of God, constantly and fervently prayed, submitting himself to the Father's will, not giving into the temptation of the devil. He says, not my will, but thy will be done. He's going to take up the cup of, cup of suffering on the cross. He's going to bear the almighty wrath of God for sinners like you and me, so that we may be free and forgiven and granted the Spirit. Jesus kept alert with all perseverance. He endured against temptation and was thankful to His Father in heaven. A, a Christian can be protected by the armor of God and dressed for battle, but not ready for battle. You can put on the armor of God, but not be ready for battle because you have not prayed. And then you question, then it begs the question, have you even put on the armor? Because the armor is to be put on with prayer. With watchfulness. Watchfulness and alertness to impending danger. In the Navy, sailors take turns keeping watch or doing duty. And they'll keep watch in the at the base or in barracks or what they call ships, a place where all the, the sailors get together, they sleep or work or whatever. And these places are seemingly safe and secure from harm or attacks. It is said that the military implemented this practice because they were caught by surprise. I'd ask somebody this. I'm like, why, why do you keep watch in a safe and secure area? especially in the Midwest, like Great Lakes, who's going to attack you there? And I was told that since Pearl Harbor, and most recently the attack on the USS Cole, they made it mandatory that every base, every barracks has someone on duty and command to watch, be watchful and alert for attacks. Because at Pearl Harbor... And at the USS Cole, there was nobody on guard. Things were seemingly peaceful. And they were caught by surprise. That's what Paul's saying here. Pray with alertness. Pray with perseverance. All perseverance. Always endure in prayer, and with alertness. Because remember, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And if you've ever seen a lion in the wild or you've seen it on Discovery Channel, they are fearful beasts. I remember going to the Lincoln Zoo one time in Chicago, and they had the lion's den, and there was no lion. But all of a sudden, here comes a lion and looked at us, and he growled, and every person there I think every hair on my body stood up and freaked us out. We were caught by we were caught surprised 
and off guard. Paul's using an illustration, or Peter's using an illustration there, not to be caught off guard by the devil because he prowls around. Be alert, protect yourself. And how do you do this? Through prayer. Always praying, always being aware, knowing your weakness, knowing your own sin, knowing temptation when it comes your way, knowing the evil schemes of the devil, knowing your enemy, which was the second part of the sermon series. Pray with alertness, with all perseverance. Pray constantly, pray in the Spirit, pray with alertness. Lastly, pray for all the saints. Look with me in your Bible. Praying at all times in the Spirit with prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. In other words, don't just pray for yourself. Pray for your brothers and sisters in the Lord who are enduring the same battle, fighting the same fights, who are in the same platoon as you. We are one body. We belong to the one Christ through faith. We are united to the one Christ and therefore united to one another. And so we as soldiers of Christ take up and wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and destroy powers and strongholds and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Wherever you are, whatever sphere of life you are in, you take captive the obedience of Christ and you pray for one another how often do we pray for our brothers and sisters in the Middle East how often do we pray for our brothers and sisters in Southeast Asia how often do we pray for our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted in China or North Korea how often do we pray pray for all the saints how about how often have we prayed for the churches in this country have gone astray and have not been preaching the word of God, the true word of God, calling out sin for what it really is, calling people to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved? How many churches in this country need to repent for tickling people's ears because they don't want to tell the truth? Pray for all the saints. We pray for and intercede for one another. In every letter, Paul prayed for the churches. Turn with me to chapter 1 of Ephesians. Chapter 1, beginning at verse 15. Paul says, for this reason I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. What's the prayer? That God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. His prayer is that they may know Christ and they may know the word of Christ, the word of God and have their eyes of their hearts enlightened, 
that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now turn with me to chapter 3, verse 14. He offers another prayer. He offers another prayer. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. That's how you put on the armor of God, friends, and pray. Pray for the power to defeat the evil schemes of the devil and the spiritual forces of evil in your life. You pray for the saints, that all the saints would receive the power of God and strengthen in the inner man, the whole man, to fight against the temptations of evil and the devil. Verse 17 of chapter 3, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that passes, all, passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Lord God, may your people be so filled with the knowledge of you and your word and be so filled with the power of your spirit that together they are so united and grounded in your love and they may know the infinite measure of your love in their lives. May they know the love of Christ so deeply rooted in their lives. We have many visitors today. Many of you come from different churches. Maybe you're a member of this church. Do our churches, when we receive visitors, do they see the love and unity of Christ's people? Or has the devil gotten a hold and brought disunity and dissension? Squabbling about personal preferences and opinions. Oh, we need to repent of this. Do they see the truth of the word changing hearts and minds? transforming people to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love the neighbor, our neighbor, as ourselves. Pray for one another in these things. I'm going to close with a few words of exhortation for all of us. Three things. Draw near to God in faith. At all times, draw near to God in faith and ask Him for grace and help. We draw near to a holy God, a righteous God, sinners saved by grace, cleansed by the blood of Christ made new and whole, and made blameless before God. So we draw near to Him. 
not draw near to the Holy of Holies, pleading and petitioning and offering supplication to Him, and He hears us because we have fellowship with the Father and the Son by the Spirit. Draw near to God at all times because He welcomes us into His presence and we're exhorted to draw near to Him through Christ. Secondly, humble yourself before God. Prayer is humbling yourself before God. 1 Peter chapter 5, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, the powerful hand of God, so that the purpose at the proper time He may exalt you, lift you up, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. He cares for you. The devil doesn't care for you. Man doesn't care for you the way God cares for you. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after having suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen? To him be the glory forever and ever. The knowledge and wisdom and might of God is far, infinitely greater than the might of man and the evil ones. And so humble yourself before him. Thirdly, submit yourself to God and his will. Submit, to yourself, submit yourself to God and his will. Your will be done, O Lord. Submit to God's will and resist the devil's temptation to sin. And even the devil's temptation for you to deny God and rebel against him. The devil will flee from you when you submit to the will and word of God. Submit to his truth. And Satan and his lies will not have any power over you. Submit to his will, praying in the spirit, and the devil will flee. Congregation, during the course of this series, have you been convinced that we are in a spiritual battle? Are you convinced that we are waging war not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil, against principalities and powers? Have you taken up the armor of God? Are you praying? This is Paul's command at the conclusion of this letter. Take up, put on the armor of God and pray. Submit yourself to his will. Humble yourself before God and he will exalt you. And lay your head down each and every night knowing that God has sought you through. And give glory to his name. Praise his name. Give thanks to him. Because he is your protector. And he is the power that maintains you and preserves you in your Christian walk. Yes, you will be bloodied. Yes, you will be bruised. Yes, you will have scars. But thanks be to God for the victory we have in him. When the perishable takes on the imperishable and death will be destroyed altogether. I want to conclude with 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The death is, 
the, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. You have the victory now, and you will have it in the last day because of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks that victory is in Jesus Christ alone. He is Christus Victor. Christ is victor over sin, death, and hell. For he is also our substitute. He is the one who paid the penalty of our sin, the penalty that we deserve, the judgment that we deserve, the curse that we deserve was placed upon the Son. And he bore our sins in his body that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. He is our Savior, our Redeemer. More than that, He rose from the dead victoriously, triumphantly, gloriously. And He sits at your right hand and He will call us home in the last day when the last trumpet shall shall sound and the dead in Christ shall be, be raised. And we will know sin no more. Hell will be defeated Altogether, and you, O oh Lord, will have the last word, for indeed you have the first and last word, because your word is truth, your word is power. You grant us grace, O oh Lord, to live out our Christian life to the glory of your name, to the praise and honor of our Lord Jesus Christ.